Lucky Land slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to episode three, officially a trilogy, <laughs> of our podcast. Really? Another podcast? Today we're going to be talking about Star Wars. And here's the issue. <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm smiling. Okay, that's enough before we get a copyright issue. <laughs> I was just about to say, this is going to sue somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, today we're going to be talking about Star Wars, my beloved trilogy, <laughs> and all things involved with that. Last time we talked about Batman, which was John's, uh, uh, that's what he loves to talk about. Today we're going to talk about Star Wars. So, let's kick it off. Far, far go in a galaxy far away, wasted. Oh wait, wrong universe. Okay, you can stop with that. <laughs> So, Star Wars is arguably probably one of the most uh, probably talked about, uh, problematic, and well-discussed uh, movie uh, franchises that exist right now, and, and ever since the 1970s, really. And the thing that I think I would like to first talk about is uh, probably concerning the original trilogy. And just, if you have any questions, John, just let me know. <laughs> but I think the biggest, the biggest thing that people, the problem that people have, I think, with, uh, with Star Wars is that they're trying, they try to rationalize the fact, why are the fans so toxic about Star Wars? Why do they have so much problems with Star Wars? And I think the difference is, I think the biggest difference is that there's a difference between fans of the original trilogy and then fans who've come, who are younger, who have come a generation or two later to the franchise with the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy that have come about. And I think that the biggest issue with Star Wars is the fact that what stands out about the original trilogy is the fact that originally it didn't even exist as the middle trilogy it was star wars was its own standalone movie initially that george lucas came up with he had worked out the script over time and then eventually he realized that this, as a story grew in his mind and in his creative process he realized that it was going to be something that would be a six-part movie that he would have to break down into three parts but he started with what originally was just Star Wars, but eventually became known as Episode Four, and then eventually got the tag A New Hope. But originally, Star Wars was just Star Wars, 
uh, when it was released in 1977. And the, it be, it's because the story, as it progresses through uh, New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, it's a story that sits with a, a history, an underlying history that as the films progress, as you watch the films, there's an underlying history that that I think appeals to people and that there's part of a mystery there that is slowly being uh, developed and uh, resolved through the stories, uh, through the movies, uh, particularly with uh, what is going on with Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and so forth. Of course, now we know the story, but, but I think that's what um, appeals to people the most. The first movie appealed to people because it was something completely brand new. Star Wars came on the heels of Jaws, and uh, which directed by Steven Spielberg, which created what was known as the blockbuster, what became known as a blockbuster, because there were people lined around the block, literally, to get into the theater to, to see the movie, and thus the media had dubbed it a blockbuster. And that's where the term comes from. And Star Wars came on the heel of, of that. I never um, wondered that until right now. When... Uh, <laughs> Uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, I know a lot about when it comes to different things about movies, but don't ask me to do any major math. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so uh, it it took off, and people loved the movie, and it changed the landscape of cinema in the 70s because before then, and I think we mentioned this in an earlier prod, podcast, that that movies in the 70s were more based on a on the uh, the social structure of the nation at the time it was about uh, where we were in the 70s with the aftermath of the civil rights movement the aftermath of vietnam and uh <clears throat> and all of the political and the social uh ills that the country was facing and a lot of those movies were addressing that um uh, with a lot of directors and writers coming out of new york I think that's why a lot of those movies kind of center around uh, New York or the bigger cities and, and the drama of characters that live in those those environments and the drama that was around, surrounding it. Plus, you had movies like uh, Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, which uh, created the drama around uh, Satanism to some degree. And so the movies were following a certain trajectory of very dramatic, uh, very social lean type movies. And then you had movies like Jaws and Star Wars that came out and eventually um, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind that started to move cinema into the, back into the, the realm of science fiction, which you hadn't seen since Buck Rogers in the 1950s and 60s serials, and Star Trek, which, of course, was uh, on, on television. And at that point, uh, science fiction had become was sort of campy. It was... Uh, more laden in fantasy. It didn't seem real. It seemed far-fetched. Uh, it it was a lot of it... Uh, a lot of it always ended up being very hokey. Very hokey. And a lot of it uh, kind of followed the idea of like alien invasions and, and, and things like that. But when Star Wars came out, it it, it came out as it was, it was different. It was more... It wasn't about what humans were endeavoring to do in the future with regard to space flight or, or being in, in space or dealing with aliens. It was a galaxy far, far away, literally. So it was a whole other place that, that basically um, put your imagination in overdrive. And uh, when Lucas was uh, creating Star Wars, he... 
you know, he wasn't even sure about it himself. Uh, he couldn't get uh, any studio to uh, sign off on it for him to do. Eventually, 20th Century Fox uh, signed off on, on it and gave him, I think it was a $10 million budget. But he was at least savvy enough to keep a lot of the movie rights and a lot of the merchandising rights for the movie. And nobody really had a whole lot of... Nobody really had a whole lot of, uh, during its production, a whole lot of faith in it. And even George Lucas, he almost suffered a heart attack. He uh, major stress while making it. He went to Hawaii at, during its premiere because he was scared of what the reaction was going to be. And, of course, to his surprise, the movie was, was, a, was an absolute hit. And it, it, uh, it just fueled an entire new generation of moviegoers with their imagination and uh, fantasy, and it became beyond something that a lot of people had ever seen before. And then, of course, three years later, in 1980, we got The Empire Strikes Back, and, and then eventually Return of the Jedi, and that completed the original trilogy. But <clears throat> And, of course, what a lot of people love about The Empire Strikes Back, because that seems to be the one that a lot of people who watch it, even people who watch all nine movies now, a lot of people seem to gravitate towards The Empire Strikes Back. And the funny thing is that originally when the movie came out, the reviews weren't as good. And a lot of people thought that the, the title was hokey. <laughs> but over time, it's become probably the, uh, the um, most famous and most beloved uh, movie of the Star Wars franchise. Um, because it was uh, directed by Irving Kirshner, and uh, and so it went in a, it seemed to go in a different direction. You can you can see there's a difference between Star Wars directed by George Lucas and Star and the Empire Strikes Back directed by uh, Irving Kirshner, and you can see that there's a different tone, and it's a tone that I think even more cements and resonates with the fans that love the original uh, movie. And those who eventually came on to the franchise to watch it, uh, it's, it's, it just has a certain resonance about it, a certain uh, dramatic feel that, that adds that little bit of drama into the fantasy and the sci-fi uh, version. Even though you can't really put Star Wars in the realm of sci-fi because it's, it's something completely different. It's kind of, kind of like cosplay turn into a movie to a degree. That's <laughs> <laughs> Cosplay turn into a movie. <laughs> I think it's the other way around. <laughs> Since cosplay is more or less sort of a reason, in the grand scheme of things, is kind of a recent thing. Well, they've been cosplaying for years. It's just that it didn't become, it didn't become mainstream until San Diego Comic-Con. That's true. When, they, when, they start, when people started realizing, oh, this is a thing. It doesn't just happen on Halloween. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, it's, it's, the reason I like the original trilogy is because, well, because it came out when I was a kid. So, it, it has a certain value to it from my childhood. But, beyond that... I just like I like the original trilogy because it it, it really sets the tone it, it sets the story up so that it, you can branch out from it and of course George Lucas was always asked after Return of the Jedi are there going to be more movies and originally if I remember correctly from a lot of the interviews that he gave and some of the other from some of the actors 
um, the idea was that there weren't, weren't going to be any more movies, that this was, that that was it. But eventually he said that there was, but it goes back and forth because there were times when he said there were supposed to be nine movies and there were times when he said that that was it. He wasn't going to do it anymore. And of course, uh, so that basically opened the door for uh, what would eventually become the expanded universe for a lot of comic books, uh, um, writers, uh, to expand the the universe of Star Wars and to add more worlds, characters, storylines, especially surrounding the original uh, three main characters of Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo, and Chewbacca, to a degree, and that kind of filled the void for a lot of fans for many, many years until 1999 when uh, there was the release of The Phantom Menace. And when Lucas had, I think it was back in 95, 96, when the first rumblings of, and this was before the internet was a big, big thing. So it was more or less something that you might hear on the side or you might see uh, on the internet what little bit you could you could hear about or in the news that... He was thinking about doing the prequels that would uh, go into the idea of um, developing the storyline of Anakin Skywalker and how he becomes Darth Vader and how that leads eventually into uh, the original trilogy uh, into A New Hope. And so it, was, it became probably one of the most anticipated Star Wars movies since uh, The Empire Strikes Back and then eventually Return of the Jedi. And a, there was just so much going into it and so much anticipation. And this was a movie that was going to be the Star Wars, begin the Star Wars trilogy of an entire new generation, basically the children of the original fans to a degree. So this was going to turn to be the, the new trilogy that was going to uh, be targeted to a whole new market of kids. And you can tell because when you went to go see the movie, um, you know, the original fans went to go see the movie. They took their children to go see this movie. And there were many that loved the movie, and there were, but there were a whole lot more people who were disappointed by it, <laughs> which would lead people into having discussions probably longer than they should about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> the, the cancer of Star Wars. In my opinion, anyway, I'm, I've met a couple of his fan base, and yeah. Whose fan base? Jar Jar Binks. He has a fan base? He does have a fan base. <laughs> well, I guess Kermit has a fan base, too. <laughs> Kermit the Frog, that is. He's so a ruined franchise. <laughs> so much so that... I think in order for the, some of the fans to retcon the whole thing about Jar Jar, they came up with the idea that he was a hidden Sith in the whole series. That basically everything that happened, everything that he did in that movie, especially once he became a member of the Galactic Senate, was meant to actually propel Sidious into his position and to be that hidden force of the Sith. Which, it's fun to think about, but... Of course, if you if you follow Star Wars canon, whether it's from the expanding universe, which now Disney has lovingly, and I'm joking here, placed into the category of Star Wars Legends, um, 
which I can agree on some level. Some, you know, I haven't read all the books. I haven't seen all the stuff, but I have kind of touched on it from time to time. And there's some, some items in the expanding universe that are great. And there are some that are not so great. And so I think that, uh, the idea of, you know, Jar Jar being a hidden Sith kind of, it kind of goes against what the expanding universe, uh, talked about as being, uh, the rule of two for the Sith that was instituted by Darth Bane after the, the great Sith war, which all that comes from the expanding universe. You don't, none of that is talked about in really any of the star Wars movies, which are considered, of course, uh, the, the canon. Um, anything that, that Disney does now is supposed to be considered canon, even though there's a lot of backlash on the, uh, the sequel trilogy with regards to the last two movies, The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, which we'll get into in a little bit here. But there are elements that, that Lucas himself actually took from the expanding universe, and two of those examples is, one, the rule of two for the Sith. That was something that was explored and created in the expanding universe, which the expanding universe, of course, is something that was uh, signed off by Lucasfilm. They could not have done anything in the expanding universe, written any books, any, created any stories, new characterizations, anything obviously without Lucasfilm having said, okay, you can do this, it's fine. So, so the fact is, is that the rule of two was brought into the canon of Star Wars during the uh, um, the prequel trilogy, and in a subtle way, um, it was only mentioned at the very end of the Phantom Menace by Yoda, saying that there is only there was always only two, and that touches on the fact that the Sith Darth Bane had instituted the rule of two because after the Great Sith War, uh, when all the Sith were trying to vie each other and kill each other for power. He was the one that decided there should only be two, a master and an apprentice. So that, that way the, the power of the Sith would be concentrated only in, to, to use the dark side of the Force, only in two, which is different from the Jedi side, the light side of the Force, where there are so many Jedi that it's, it's almost like if you were to have a tank of gas in a car and you had to divvy out bits of gas to other cars eventually none of the cars are going to run uh that much they're all going to have a little bit of something a little bit of this this gas this juice but at some point that they all putter out and i think that's the idea of the difference between a jedi and a sith in my opinion is that there are so many jedi that at some point the light side of the force becomes overwhelmed the use of the force by so many people um Whereas the dark side of the force is very powerful, and if only two people are wielding it, then their ability to wield it is so much more powerful. Uh, and that's where I think the rule of two becomes important. The other thing that comes from the expanding universe that is brought into canon through the prequels is the idea of the planet of Coruscant. Coruscant was created in the expanding universe as being a planet at the center of the Galactic Republic. Uh, a planet that's completely covered by nothing but city. It's, it has expanded so much over the course of many millennia within the Star Wars universe that the entire surface of the planet is, is nothing but city. There are no plants. There's no plant life. They have technology that keeps the atmosphere scrubbed of, of contaminants and pollutants to make it sustainable for life. And that's something that was created in the expanding universe and was put into Star Wars canon in the prequel trilogy 
uh, from the very beginning of the, the very, very very first movie and and there are other things that I can't think of right off the bat but there but those are two things that were brought in from the expanding universe into canon with Star Wars that Lucas was uh, was allowed to be brought in so that way it would kind of expand the universe more and give it more depth for the prequel trilogy. There's one thing that I'm really curious on when it comes to the dark side of the force. Why does lightning hands immediately age you 90 years? Oh, you're talking about what happened with Darth Sidious. <laughs> I see when Palpatine hit Luke with the, um, with the, with the jazz hands. <laughs> the jazz <laughs> he, he went from looking like he was 25 to 107. <laughs> like, you talking about Luke or you talking about pa- no, the, pa- the fight with um, Palpatine and um, Luke Skywalker? Oh, when, when uh, Vader, until Vader finally threw him over the rail. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember Luke aging from. No, not Luke Palpatine. Palpatine. Well, Palpatine. When he started hitting him, he had, he looked all clean and crisp. Oh, really? And then the more and more he kept on doing it, he had like three inch freaking wrinkles on his forehead. Well, okay. Two and lines. Then, and then once he was like. Died everything. His entire face looked like it was a caved-in mushroom. Oh, two lines of thought, maybe three. One that was just because I think while they were doing the movie, they had to probably in- intensify his ma- uh, um, the makeup on the actor. Um, to um, I'm trying to remember the actor's name. Here we go. I can't remember names now, <laughs> like before. It's gonna be your. It's gonna be your mo. <laughs> I know, it sucks getting old. But uh, I think they had to intensify the makeup. On It's like a process because originally the the Emperor was, and this is why I, this is one of the, the, the anomalies of, or, or one of the weird things about George Lucas is that he has such a affinity for monkeys because one of the, just a little offshoot here, one of the, one of the sequels to Indiana Jones, and I think this is going to be before, I can't remember if this was after uh, The Last Crusade or if it was going to be the original script for Indiana Jones afterwards, that one of the sequels was going to be um, Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, where he's supposed to go to this temple that's ruled by a monkey who's a king. Um, now, so, but, but the reason I mention this is because originally in the... Uh, in the uh, Empire Strikes Back, in the original version, the Emperor, nobody had an idea of what the Emperor was supposed to look like. He was just this, he was spoken about, he was mentioned, but there was no clear vision, I think, at the time of what he was supposed to be. Is he supposed to be an alien? Is he supposed to be human? Is he supposed to be, you know, because a lot of, as a matter of fact, a lot of people thought Darth Vader was a robot for, for a long time until... He was revealed to be a human being, a cyborg. I'm guilty of that. I thought he was a robot as well. <laughs> and uh, so when they decided to have the hologram version of the Emperor talking to Vader, um, when they were talking about Luke Skywalker trying to make him um, one of them, trying to push him in the direction of the dark side, the image that you see in the original is a chimp with a mask on because he wanted the eyes he 
um, I think the chimp had these yellowish eyes that the emperor that he wanted that Lucas wanted for the emperor's look for his eyes, and I think this is before the progression of contacts as part of costuming in movies, and it was just a look. So it was, it was a chimp with a mask on, a human face mask on, and then it was, and then eventually it was, it was, uh, and then eventually they added the voice in which. Uh, um, I can't remember the actor's name who did the voice, but the voiceover. But that was the original Emperor from the movie originally. And then, of course, when Lucas had his 50th redo of the, the movies, he added uh, Palpatine's actual image in place of it in order to make it more complete. Um, so, uh, like I said, uh, so that was, that was uh, Lucas's thing was just going in weird directions sometimes when it came to his characters so I think that because of that when they finally hired um, someone to play as the Emperor in the Empire Stri in Return of the Jedi because that was the Emperor was finally going to make a, a presence in that movie um, before then they didn't know how this this, this character was going to look what his actions were going to be what his characterization was going to be and then of course it developed during the writing of Return of the Jedi and and we got what we got, and I think they still had to kind of refine his look. Um, they made him look really, really old, and I think originally that was probably the intent was to make him seem like he was almost a centuries-old individual, that he is well-versed in the uh, galaxy, its history. He was The reason why he's in charge is because he knows so much about it. He, he's very well-versed in the dark side of the Force. That's why he's... Darth Vader's master and the Emperor and I think that was the direction they were going and then of course along with Darth Vader Palpatine's history was was touched on well more than touched on it was actually he was one of the the revolving characters or the characters that the the story revolved around and his development in the prequel trilogy and in order to get the character full circle to why he looked the way he did in Return of the Jedi, they had to come up with a way for him to look the way he did in Revenge of the Sith, which, in my opinion, the fact that he was fighting Mace Windu and Mace Windu was deflecting the Sith lightning back onto him and it caused a change in his, in his face, um, I think that was probably... I mean, to some degree, I can see where it was supposed to kind of bookend that idea, but in my opinion, I think it was another one of those situations within the movies where they were trying to too easily tie up that they, it could have been some damage. But I think that you know, and then over time, he would have aged. He would have seemed aged uh, to where he would go to Return of the Jedi because technically there's supposed to be a, a twenty standard years from the end of Revenge of the Sith uh, events to Return of the Jedi, or actually probably more like a little over 20 years, probably more like 26 years or so. Um, from Revenge of the Sith to the end of Return of the Jedi, it's supposed to be about, because it's supposed to be about a 20-year time frame between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. That there was 20 years that the Empire existed up to the Rebels eventually got strong enough to be able to start to take down the Empire. In the uh, which eventually was, of course, the original trilogy, the events of the original trilogy. 
That means there wasn't a whole lot of time between Rogue One and New Hope then. No, because at the end of Rogue One, Darth Vader is trying to get the plans back from them before they take off and they get away. And the the Tantive Four, I think it's Tantive Four, is the one that that Leia's on that departs from the main ship and flies off and it's on its way to deliver the plans when it goes past Tatooine and that begins the beginning of... Um, the original trilogy with the New Hope. So there's, yeah, the Rogue One. The events of Rogue One happen like, like right before the beginning of New Hope. So there's no time lapse between those two movies. That made me search Craig. That was your favorite Vader scene. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing is, when when the first movie came out, the original Star Wars came out. The the suit that David Prowess was wearing was so cumbersome and the uh choreography was was for and, and the fight for the fight scene for the uh, fight scene between obi-wan kenobi and darth vader was it, it was like it wasn't really what you would call like um what was meant what it was meant to be it it was kind of clunky but at the same time, you look at the fact that, okay, you've got two older men who are fighting each other. Obi-Wan Kenobi is supposed to be, at this point, probably, I would say, probably 50, 60 years, standard years old by the time New Hope comes out. And um, Darth Vader is probably in his you know, late 40s, early 50s almost by that point as well, um, or Anakin Skywalker, so... It's been downplayed as the fact that you have basically two old men who are fighting a sword fight with lightsabers, and that kind of helps that's to explain why it's, it's weak. But that's but it's there. It's weak, but that's what I've I've read. That's what I've heard, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can kind of buy it. But there are there there is some video out there where like somebody has decided to create an enhanced version of that fight, and it's actually pretty epic. Well, I've, I've seen it, and uh, I like it. I mean, you know. But there are there are probably people that are like, oh, that seems kind of weird or strange or stupid. But I like it. I think it 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 makes it makes better sense. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, the the suit, the Darth Vader suit was kind of clunky, and of course it was also because of they used rotoscoping in order to be able to create the lightsaber effect. So the movements had to be more deliberate because the technology had not advanced enough for the movie for them to be able to create lightsabers that actually can move really quickly in order for the special effects to keep up with the, the 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 tape the lighting tape that was placed on the rods for the rotoscoping in order to be able to uh, create the the special effect so that's why it was very um very clunky looking for the fight scene but the fight scene really was just a, a lead into obi-wan's death so that that luke can see it so that it would drive him to to decide to become a Jedi at the end of that movie. So when you see that and then you see the you see the fight between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker in at the end of uh, The Empire Strikes Back, it's a, a much better fight scene. It's probably one of the best fight scenes of lightsabers um, in Star Wars. And um, then there was Return of the Jedi when they fought again. And of course, by then the technology had advanced where they could actually have a better, better choreography, better uh, um, fight training, 
for the actors in order to be able to to work. And I think David Prowess was not in the suit for both of those uh, scenes. I think it was a different actor, someone who was actually trained in sword fighting that that also worked with Luke or worked with Mark Hamill in order to get him up to speed on 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 the different movements for for actual sword fighting skills. And uh, so when so it kind of leaves you with. Um, it leaves you wanting more, you know. It's like if Darth Vader is supposed to be this badass of a motherfucker, excuse the French. And I just, I just, I mean, he's considered one of the. He's cons- which you can edit out later. He's considered one of the. No, I was one say, of the most. He wanted more. <laughs> he wants more. Always more, baby. <laughs> I've got a fever and a cure. It's more Darth Vader. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it does, it leaves you wanting more. And then when the prequel came out, it was like, well, you didn't really get Darth Vader. You got, you got Hayden Christian as, as Anakin Skywalker. And he was a Jedi at that point. Uh, so, and of course, I mean, if you were to rank some of the best lightsaber scenes in Star Wars movies, obviously the fight between Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi is at the very top. It has to be. I mean, those actors actually worked so hard to to f- come up with their choreography for that fight scene that they actually went out at each other for real on the set um, with with a ferocity that even Lucas was impressed with. That he said he was impressed with because he said that had nothing to do with him. He said very little of that how they fought in that uh, for that when they were re- rehearsing and working on those scenes was was Hayden. And um, and uh, Ian, that was them alone uh, fighting against each other, going just you know. And he said, and the other thing that Lucas said was that they are they were so fast that he thought that he was going to have to speed up the film if, during the editing of the movie in order to make them look like they were like actual Jedi, like fighting each other with 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 huge ferocity, with speed that a Jedi should have. He said he didn't have to do that. He said they went at each other with such ferocity so fast with their movements with the lightsabers that they had that he did not have to speed up the film in order to make that get that point across. So that tells you something about the dedication and the work that they put into that scene. And it, and it shows because, it's, in my opinion, it's probably the best lightsaber duel in Star Wars, at least canon, as you can see. There are other duels that exist on the Internet, you know, by fan-made movies, things like that. But, of course, they can only, they can only uh, imitate it, but they can't beat it, I don't think. Uh, so, so to get back to your question, when, when Darth Vader's scene came up at the end of Rogue One, yes, I mean, I was, it was the last, last minute change to the movie. They added it in because somebody said, you need to add something here. To, uh, to the director, and he, and he did. And he added that, and it, to me it made all the difference. It, it put more of that power and that, that presence that Darth Vader has always had. It just sealed it in your mind, in my opinion, about how, how uh, powerful Darth Vader is supposed to be. Because you didn't really see that much in the movies. You saw him using, his for, using the Force, lightsaber duels, but... He was looking for his son, <laughs> but the the but seriously the uh, 
that that scene alone just really, in my mind, it seals it for how dangerous, how powerful Darth Vader is, and just how driven and determined he is. And it's to me, it's one of the best Darth Vader scenes, as quick as it is that that exists in canon. So out of all of them, even the even the side pieces. Empire is still your favorite one? Um, yeah. I would have to say Empire is my favorite one. Um, as a student of the original trilogy, it, it, it definitely is. I mean, I like all, all three of the original trilogy. Um, but of those three, Empire is my, bet, was, is my favorite. Of the original, I mean, of the prequel trilogy, Revenge of the Sith is the best. Because I think... I think Lucas kind of reversed course on some of the issues he had with the two prior to it, with the Phantom Menace and the Attack of the Clones. I think that some of the, the issues that you had in those two movies, he kind of he brought a little more uh, drama back to, and a little more of the, uh, the the that feel of foreboding that's in the original trilogy. He brought a little bit that, of that, <clears throat> albeit small. To Revenge of the Sith, because anyone who, who've, of course, saw the original trilogy, they know what's going to happen in this movie. They know that Anakin Skywalker is going to turn to the dark side. He's going to become Darth Vader, and the Empire is in its beginnings. Um, that's going to last. It's going to reign for twenty years in this in this uh, galaxy. So you know what the ending is, but that to me is a testament to a movie that it's it's like like when you read a book and you know the ending of the book and they're like oh we're gonna make a movie out of this and you're like oh great i can't wait to see a movie i can't see wait to see what they're going to put in visualization of this book but if you've read it you're like well i know how the book's going to end i know how this story's going to end i know how this movie's potentially going to end and barring aside the fact that a lot of movies are changed their endings are changed from the book in order to give that little bit of element of surprise and difference from the book um you know how Revenge of the Sith is going to end, but yeah. it's still powerful enough in its own way by itself that it still intrigues you and keeps you involved in the story that you can still enjoy watching it even though you know how this is going to end up. You're, not, you're aware of how it's going to end, but it's still the ride that gets you there that you can still enjoy. As many times as I've watched them all, I can't really... <clears throat> I don't think I can really point out one that I consider my all-time favorite. I do remember when I watched the original trilogy and it started out with episode four, I said, wait, what happened to the first three? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's probably what was on the mind of a lot of people, believe it or not. Once it, it was, once it, especially when you, I think when you got to the end of Return of the Jedi, people were like, okay, so where are the, the ones that came before it? Where, where are those? You know, What's this deal with who's Anakin Skywalker? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> so, uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, were probably wondering the same thing, and a lot of people wanted it. They wanted to, see, they wanted to see something. I know that after Return of the Jedi, I wanted to see more movies, whether they were before the trilogy or after the trilogy. You wanted to see more. You wanted to have more. And then when you realized that there weren't going to be more at the time, you know, it was you. You know, you're very disappointed in, in that fact. You're like, well. But I think that's part of the that was originally part of the mystery with the original trilogy was, um, it was because you knew that was 
at the time, that's all you were going to get. So it was like it left so much to the imagination of the fans to ponder on where do these characters come from? What's the history of them? What, you know, you know, what's the the deal with with Darth Vader? Where where why did he become turn to the dark side? Why who who is Anakin Skywalker? Why did he become Darth Vader? And of course, like I said, in the years between 1983 and 1999, that was where the expanded universe tried to fill that, fill that void of, and it mostly it tended to go more into the direction of post. Um, Re- Return of the Jedi. A lot of the the storylines were post Return of the Jedi, but there were instances, I believe, of books, novels, and, and <clears throat> comics and characterizations that try to delve into some of the story prior to um, A New Hope, which in there uh, that's where you got like the stories about the Sith War and the Great Jedi War and the war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians and and uh, and b- basically the timeline that has been created in in the expanded universe or the legends is what's known as BBY uh, before the Battle of Yavin. BBY before the Battle of Yavin because the Battle of Yavin is the battle of that happened in A New Hope. So it's kind of like with the Bible where you have everything before Christ, which is like in, in history, it's called, you know, um, beyond, uh, before the common era or used to be known as before Christ or BC. Now it's BCE, before the common era. And then everything after that was anti-domini or AD. So um, when, the, when the Catholic Church became more prominent in after uh, Christ's life and death, then that's where you have, that's why they created the same thing. They created like, okay, this is where we can pinpoint our timeline for the past and beyond in the Star Wars canon is BBY before the, uh, before the Battle of Yavin. And then, of course, everything is after the Battle of Yavin, which basically it puts the, A New Hope as the pinnacle, or not pinnacle, excuse me, it puts it as the focal point for the entire Star Wars universe. From everything that happened before A New Hope and then everything that happens after A New Hope. Because A New Hope is supposed to be now, with in the grand scheme of things, the turning point from the Empire ruling the galaxy to now the Rebels being able to become powerful enough to destroy the Empire, for the Sith to be taken down, Luke Skywalker becoming a Jedi and, and redeeming his father and... And the emperor being being uh, defeated and destroyed, and then the unit, the galaxy moving on beyond that, which we got with the sequel trilogy. And well, <laughs> it, there was so much hope in that. <laughs> I mean, you could literally say a new hope when they announced that they were going to do. Uh, the sequel trilogy when Disney bought Star Wars and even I was duped into the idea of that well if Disney's going to buy Star Wars or they're going to buy Lucasfilm at first I was I was a little dubious but then I thought well I mean there's so much money in in Disney so much you know like every not that Star Wars needed it not that Lucasfilm needed it but Disney kind of like becoming like taking it over, it's like it's gonna, you know. And the fact that, and it wasn't that so much as was the fact that when they announced that they were gonna do three new movies, you know, I with a lot of other fans were kind of like, finally, 
Like all this time, Lucas was saying that he wasn't going to do, you know, any any movies after Return of the Jedi because Return of the Jedi was supposed to be the end of the Skywalker storyline of the the Skywalker epic from Anakin to Luke, and the end of Darth Vader, and that was it. And you were just like, oh come on, but it's got to be more, you know. But at the same time, you're like, well, what can there be? You know, what can be after that? What what can can you know, expand on this beyond Return of the Jedi. So when they decided to come out with three more, you were like, this is awesome because with with Disney and Lucasfilm, certainly they could have the right writers, the right directors involved. You know, when I heard that Lucas wasn't going to be involved, it was kind of a, it, it was like, you, you're kind of torn because you're like, well, Lucas is, needs to be involved. It's his, it's his creation. He has to have some input, but at the same time, a lot of people were like, well, yeah, well, look what he did with the prequels. A lot of people weren't happy with the prequels. Yeah, a lot and, of people said, he's got, his, he's, got his, um, he's got his toe in the door. He's in the damn credits. <laughs> well, he's going to be forever in the credits. It's his creation. <laughs> um, but the fact that he didn't really have anything to do with the, the, the uh, sequel trilogy other than walking on set and like, oh, yeah, that looks great. That looks great. Uh, or I think he could do something a little different here. Um, other than that, you know, I think that he probably should have had some more input. But but Lucas is, from what I understand, I think Lucas is one of those directors and writers, producers that is very, very dedicated to his own product. If it's if it's his baby, it's his baby, and you can't really put, you can't really go beyond what he wants it to be. But since it was no longer in his hands that he had given it over to Kathleen Kennedy and given Lucasfilm over to Disney, I think he was also smart enough to just kind of like take a back seat, let them do what they're going to do with it. And because he did write a treatment, he wrote a treatment for the trilogy. You know, he's like, here are my ideas. Here's where I, the direction I think it should go. And they were basically like, mm-hmm, yeah, it looks good, looks good. And then they trashed it <laughs> and said, we're going to go in a whole new direction, which and you know, and the results are what they are. Yeah, I think the only thing that he kept, which he, which was brilliant for to, you know, keeping kind of coming on his end. I think the only thing that he kept was merchandise rights. Well, yeah, because I mean, he learned that lesson after Star Wars, <laughs> and I don't think he was going to give up that. Like everything else, he completely sold off except for the merchandise rights, just so he could keep those keep that money coming in from the toys and the video games. But it's funny because this, and I can see where people think that the fans for Star Wars are so toxic, and it is, it's, it is annoying to me. Because when the prequel trilogy came out, people were so soured on Lucas. I mean, this is the guy that created Star Wars, the whole thing, you know, and people were praising the original trilogy, even though at the time it was sort of hit and miss, believe it or not. When the original trilogy came out in the movies, you know, people. They they were they loved Star Wars because it was something completely different. But beyond that, that's all it was to them. Mm-hmm. When Empire came out, um, when the Empire Strikes Back came out, you know it was a lot of people were like, "Well, you know, what's this whole uh, Leia and Han love thing going on? That kind of takes away from what they consider to be the the action and the 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 science romance or science fiction romance of of Star Wars uh, with the fans. That is." 
And some people didn't like that, but over time, people really changed their tune because it's like, yeah, but the, I mean, the movie is so epic because it comes in the middle and, you know, it's like you get more Darth Vader and you see more of a development of the story and then it ends on a cliffhanger and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like anybody who's never watched a movie before, you watch it with them for the first time, that's always their reaction is it just ends? That's it? <laughs> that's it? And it's like, oh, but there's another movie coming up, you know, you got to watch it, you know. So it just ends, and you're like, what's going to happen next? And so it kept everybody's, you know, it kept everybody's imagination, like, like uh, turned up to 11 on what's going to happen next. And then when Empire, when Return of the Jedi came out, everybody was like, yes, this is what we want to go see. This is going to be the, 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 the climax of the whole saga. And what's going to happen? How everything's, how is everything going to end? So, and of course, some people, you know, some people uh, didn't like Jedi because like, oh, it's just a bunch of, teddy bears and how how is a bunch of Ewoks going to take down an empire but they don't realize is that the Ewoks didn't take down the empire the Ewoks just fought a battle on Endor <laughs> they fought a, they helped the rebels on Endor that's it that's all they did they, they didn't take down a whole freaking empire the empire yep, the empire came down because of all the efforts of everybody deciding to rebel against the empire across the galaxy so uh, you know it's just people's points of view are weird and different sometimes but it, it's but the movie is still Return of the Jedi is uh, a very good movie. I like it. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's it was the first for the longest time. It was the first and only movie Star Wars movie I'd ever seen in the theaters. I hadn't you know I watched the other two either. On, I watched Star Wars on cable. I watched uh, Empire Strikes Back on VHS, um, which for those of you who are young enough to not know, it's a videotape that you put in a machine and it would actually play a movie <laughs> since from from point a to point b <laughs> right and of course i own the original i own the video the vhs original star wars trilogy like and it was three separate um vhs tapes do you got the um black one or the gold version huh do you have the black version or the gold version what do you mean by gold they made a they made a gold um case and then they made a black case i had neither i had the original VHS with the original poster art on each one of them. The poster art that was like in the theater, mm-hmm. as you see the poster, was what was on the VHS covers. And the one time I mean, it's, it's all three VHS tapes. Uh-huh. They go into a like a little box. Nope. And the um. Nope. I had I had when I say original, I mean you had to buy them separately, individually, whenever they were released. Because for the longest time, Lucas would not release the Star Wars saga onto VHS. Um, the only time you, the only way you got to watch Star Wars, to my recollection, was you had to watch it on cable, or you had or certain special screenings. Like if, like for example, it was going to play in a theater, like part of an anniversary thing or something like that. That's the only way you got to watch Star Wars was via cable, like HBO, Showtime, or Cinemax at the time. Whoever had had rights to watch it, or. Um, if uh, it was on like maybe Laserdisc or something like that, but you did not, I you know for the longest time, uh, Lucas would not release the the movies to VHS. It wasn't until probably the late '80s, early '90s, that he released all three films, and I I bought them as actual <clears throat> with the original poster art as the covers. Uh, the the Amrays for the uh, covers for the uh, for the VHS tapes, um, and they were the original with that the, the same movies that played in the in the movie theaters originally, is what was on these videotapes. And 
like an idiot, I don't have them anymore. <laughs> but now they'd probably be worth like quite a few bits. Yeah, no, those aren't the ones that I have. Those weren't the ones I had. Those um, that came later. I said, have you get that, your hands that, on it? Good God, tell What I'm, but what I'm talking about became even even predates those. All right, cool guy. <laughs> but I don't have them, so I'm not that cool. <laughs> I had a. You know, if I had them, they would probably be worth a lot of money right now. But he's like, I had a new hope before it was cool. <laughs> I had new hope before it was called new hope. <laughs> Now here I am making all the crackles. Yeah, with your, with your vape. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got these the little ones that I bought at the store because I needed them when I was on my trip. I didn't bring my vape, so I'm just Those finishing these off. They are very handy, and they're not that bad. Uh, I can't plug it, but basically it's called Bidi, B-I-D-I. Stick. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Bidi. Yeah, that yeah. It's actually a really good brand. Um, but uh, where, where were we at? Um, the VHS tapes. Oh, the VHS tapes. But like I said, for the longest time, Lucas wouldn't release them. So <clears throat> he, uh, but eventually he did, and and uh, so I was able to actually own them. And um, always, every time there was a new format that came out, like when DVD came out, one of the first movies I bought was the trilogy on, you know, DVD format, and then eventually Phantom Menace and so forth. It was like anytime a, a new a new video format would come out like when DVDs came out if I were to eventually invest in that format the very first movies that I would buy was Star Wars <laughs> so even though it's been out for a minute the um the last one's the only one I don't own yet what do you mean The Rise of Skywalker oh I bought that the day it came out dude <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did I didn't waste time on that and even though people trashed it and you know, yeah, you can you can see where you know there's problems that exist, but if you just kind of take your mind out of the critical thinking of the movie, I, I still think it's an enjoyable movie. It's when they brought back J.J. Abrams to do the Rise of Skywalker, I thought, well, that's a good move because I like J.J. Abrams. He's a to me, he's always been a good director. He he falls into the footsteps of Lucas and and Spielberg. His his vision for how he does his TV shows and his movies. It's very Spielberg-esque, if you want to call it. So I, I just, I like the way he did, I like the way he did uh, The Force Awakens, and I thought bringing him back was, they should have had him for all three. They should not have hired Ryan Johnson to direct the one in the middle with uh, the, the, last, uh, the Last Jedi, which, you know, you could literally change the titles of the movies and they could work with for for some of the other movies in in the whole series and work better for for the movie for other movies versus the one they're actually attached to. I say another reason why I don't like um, Rise of Skywalker, and it's probably going to be considered petty for her to have the name Skywalker at the you know at the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of her adopting the name. I don't either. That's that's literally my my biggest bug with the whole movie. I was like, "You're not a Skywalker. You're a Palpatine." Wait, she's not even a Palpatine. I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> it's I when when the movie came out when when they were they were discussing they finally released a title. Remarkably, and I know a lot of people aren't going to believe me, including you, 
But I thought the same thing that Kevin Smith did at the same time was maybe Skywalker was going to be the name for the new Jedi Order. Instead of being called a Jedi, you're going to be called a Skywalker. So when the it title, doesn't make sense. So when the title... When the title suggested the rise of Skywalker, it to me it gave the indication that this was going to be the movie that was finally going to bring back the Jedi Order, that Rey was going to start the Jedi Order, that you were going to find out that Finn was also Force-sensitive because he was the very first character that was explored in The Force Awakens. When the, when the teaser trailer came out, his face is the first one you see in the original, um, uh, the Force Awakens original um, teaser trailer. He was the first character that was that was uh, shown, and to me, that gave the indication that he was going to have a pivotal role in this movie. That his character Finn was going to be very pivotal, almost as pivotal, if not just as pivotal as Ray. And it was disappointing that his character was not explored more. I was very disappointed in that because I thought he was an excellent character, and I and I thought John Boyega did a great job as that character and I wanted to see him have a more prominent role in this uh this trilogy and I was I was disappointed that he it wasn't but I thought that that uh, he Finn actually was, went he actually went viral about a week ago <clears throat> yeah he, um be toward Disney a new asshole yeah he did I read it and I agree with him on every bit of it I I absolutely did and and I felt that way before he even did that because you know, I thought that that Finn's character was was going to he along with Ray, if not even more, Finn was going to be the ones that were going to be the the new Jedi. Or and then eventually, you know, and I thought that that's what the rise of Skywalker meant was that it was going to be the rise of a new order uh, of of Jedi. But now they're going to be called Skywalker because it's going to be something completely different. Because what the Jedi were obviously failed, and and it was needed to be something different. It needed to be something new that would embrace both the dark and the light as a whole. And that's where the force is supposed to be driving this universe, so to speak, was, you know, it was because the whole idea of the force is balance. The whole idea of life in general is balance. You find balance in, you find balance in your light and you find balance in your darkness. And in the middle is where you find yourself um, teetering on that idea of what direction your life is supposed to go. And that's what I felt like, the force was supposed to be about to some degree was you find that balance between the two and you use it to your best ability to be the best you you can be or to be the best warrior you can be or to be the best Jedi you can be. And that's where I, I, I just felt like, you know, the failure of the Jedi from the prequel trilogy and then the rebuilding of, of the, the, and then the failure of the Sith in the original trilogy was supposed to bring about that idea of a new, um, a new order that was supposed to pro uh, properly embrace both sides of the force in a constructive and meaningful way. And that's where I thought that the rise of Skywalker uh, movie should have gone. I felt like that's where it should have explored. And I felt like it was also uh, the reason for the title, but I was sorely disappointed and for, and a lot of fans were disappointed. And I don't know if a lot of fans were thinking the same thing or if that's what they wanted to see, but it didn't make sense to bring back. It was nice to see Palpatine because you're like, oh, okay. It's like seeing your grandpa you hadn't seen in a while. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, you know, that's it's not where it, it, that really it is where it is. <laughs> that's not where it needed to go. It, we didn't need to have Palpatine was supposed to have been destroyed at the end of Return of the Jedi. I agree with that. It should have. It should have been. An, it you know I think 
them killing Snoke in The Last Jedi was was not the right direction. They made Snoke look so damn weak. Like the weakest one of them all. Um, I think they made him look powerful, but the problem is, is that you were like, that's why everybody's expectations were subverted with Snoke, because it was like, Here's this guy that's not really a Sith, but he's a dark. He's a practitioner of the dark side, and he's powerful enough. I actually enough. even forgot about him until you brought him up, because I was like, damn, Darth Maul even did a better job than Snoke did. But see, that even that would have been a better option, that Darth Maul would have been the new force. They should have... Uh, it was one, thing that, one of the things I thought about, but then I don't, I'm not really sure. I, don't, I haven't watched the actual animated series of Star Wars, and I know that Darth Maul's character is in there. But... That, again, that's another one that teeters on the, you know, like fan service because it's like Darth Maul was supposed to have been killed at the end of The Phantom Menace. But at the same time, I don't think Darth Maul should have been killed at the end of The Phantom Menace. I think that Darth Maul should have been defeated by Obi-Wan but not destroyed by Obi-Wan. I think that he should have escaped and continued to be Palpatine's apprentice um, throughout the series until... He was a, a, would eventually be defeated by Anakin, so that Anakin could uh, could could properly take the mantle as the unofficial uh, um, uh, apprentice of Palpatine after destroying or killing Darth Maul. And and I think Darth Maul's character should have been a more prominent character for um, through Attack of the Clones and into and at least into the beginning of the uh, the Revenge of, Revenge of the Sith. So Count Dooku's character could have still been in there, but I think that Count Dooku's character could have been more of a, a, a I guess, sort of like, uh, you know, um, someone who is kind of on the fence as far as his, his dark side preference versus being a Jedi or a Jedi master. Um, I think that they could have made his character more mysterious, but then at the same time, I think Darth Maul should have exist, continued to exist throughout the prequel trilogy up until, and there should have been a nice epic fight between him and Anakin for Anakin to kill him and then unofficially take his place as Palpatine's uh, apprentice because I think that would have proven to Palpatine how powerful Anakin would have been if he could have uh, defeated such a, a... very, very skilled uh, um, Sith apprentice like Darth Maul. And so that kind of, it also ties into the idea of like Snoke. Snoke was, I think, something, I feel like everything that was being propped up in The Force Awakens with Snoke, with Rey, with Finn, with all the characters and the way the story was going, I think it was all propped up to go in a different direction. I think J.J. Abrams had a, like Lucas, they had a formula that they wanted to follow that would have worked. I feel like it really would have worked. It may not have been perfect, but I think it would have worked for the direction I needed to go. And then, for some reason, Disney decided to take it in a different direction. One, because I think that there was, at the time, there was the, the, the idea of trying to create a, a, a more female presence in a lot of movies, um, female characters, more stronger female characters, which I can understand, and that's fine. You could have done that, but I think that they should have stayed with Abrams. They should have stayed with, you know, what they were trying, what they propped up in a, the Force Awakens. I think they should have continued that idea, and that would have worked so much better than what they they came out with. So I mean, and when you when you when you put it together, you realize that actually the prequel trilogy is much better than the sequel trilogy, which is saying a lot considering how much people bashed 
the prequel trilogy and Lucas for it for many, many years. And when, and you know, it's a testament to how much people are just like, Oh, we miss you, George. <laughs> they have the attitude of like, bring George Lucas back. People trashed him so much for the prequel trilogy that the sequel trilogy was so bad that they were just, they were dying to have Lucas back. That's how bad they consider it to be when they were like, well, you know, we're, we were wrong. We really love you. Please come back and fix this. <laughs> So you don't consider her being related to Palpatine, even though they say that that's that their grandfather and granddaughter. Here's the here's the thing about that. Um, I thought I was disappointed they didn't talk about her parents. I mean, just a little bit. They touched on it just a tad bit. Here's the thing: Ray is the daughter, the actual blood daughter of one of Palpatine's clones. Okay. She is not a direct blood descendant of Palpatine. She is a descendant of a clone of Palpatine that did not have force powers, according to now what is now canon, that his, the clone that's one of the clones that survived and I guess got away or something did not possess the force ability, the, the ability to use the force, because sometimes it does skip a generation, presumably. Now, you look at Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker and his twin children Luke and Leia they are direct offspring of him and they actually were able to wield the force as powerful as he could even though Leia was not explored more which is another thing that should have been explored more and I'll get into in a minute Um, the fact that Luke was as powerful as Anakin tells you that the force is for the most part something that is more or less hereditary versus uh, for the, it's, it's hereditary as well as something that anybody could have, could possess. And I believe in that. Like when at the end of The Last Jedi, when that kid was able to bring the broom to his hand without actually touching it, you know, it's like, okay, well, who is this kid? And of course, that wasn't explored either. And that, even though it was like something that a lot of people were like, huh, what? You know, the, it, it, it brought forth the idea of that anybody in that galaxy could be force sensitive they don't necessarily have to have a hereditary lineage to anyone who already has or possesses the ability to use the force um but then again it could be it could be hereditary in the fact that there may have been just lineages of generations of people that never knew they were and then suddenly one does learn how to use that ability is identified as someone who can use that ability all that aside i just feel like i feel like Ray being a descendant of Palpatine is not a direct descendancy. I think that the fact that she is a child of one of his clones and one that could not use the Force is weak at best. I I I, I don't see Pal- I don't see Ray as a Palpatine. I just see her as the child of a clone. But the fact that she's able to wield the the, the Force is, it goes back to what I re- I said before was that anyone could be have that ability naturally in that galaxy or that universe. To you to be able to wield the force, but I think it was just a weak. I, I would have liked her to see her be a descendant of Kenobi or to be the ch- grandchild of Ben Kenobi somehow. I would have seen that as a better version than being Palpatine. I think that the problem is is that they wanted to they wanted to put put her in a position of okay could she be could she be a, a dark side user because it's like you know which way will will Ray go will she be Will she be um, a, a student of Skywalker, uh, of Leia, 
of being the, on the and Luke be a light side of the force user, or will she be a dark side user? Will she go to the dark side? And because they explored that in the Last Jedi, the fact that she went to the dark so easily, and the I, so I think that's where why they why they came up with the idea of her being a Palpatine because it was like we're supposed to throw some mystery in there as to. Where, which way? Which direction is she going to go? Is she going to become another dark side user? Or is she going to become a light side user? You know, um, but I think that's where it kind of failed. It's like it was climbing that ladder, but then it fell off the ladder of the idea of like because again, like I said, I I wanted to see, I wanted to see Ray and Finn be like be able to come together, not necessarily as a couple, but just come together as two people who just um, discover that they're force sensitive and become what would become the new Jedi and help to start the new Jedi order, which could have been the Skywalker order because the lineage of Skywalker in star Wars is always one of tragedy. You know, it's the tragic figure Anakin becomes a dark side user. Luke and Leia have to reconcile themselves of being the, the children of a Sith Lord, Darth, AKA Darth Vader, but decide to go in, a different direction to go into a um, benevolent direction with the force versus uh, the dark side. And, and that's where they also, not only does Luke redeem his father in that way, but he also redeems his name in that way. He redeems the Skywalker line by going in the direction of being a Jedi instead of falling to the dark side, the will of the dark side and allowing Palpatine to manipulate him at the end of return of the Jedi. So, and that's how he also redeems his father because Anakin kind of has an awakening and saves his son, destroys the emperor, and credits roll. And yes, the Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I like about the Force Awakens because I mean there was some fan service in there, like you know, like oh oh wow, it was just you know convenient that the Millennium Falcon happened to be on um, Jakku. <laughs> <laughs> That they were able to fly uh, the Millennium Falcon and then eventually land, uh, run into Han Solo, but and a lot of people were like, "Well, it was just like a New Hope. It was just like a New Hope." And it's like, well, if you really watch the movies, you realize that if you really watch each trilogy, you realize that there is a. It was every, almost a copy and paste. Every story, but that's the way Lucas has put it. Because if you look at the Phantom Menace, there's there is a there is a very similar. Um, uh, story progression with that with A New Hope it's like every you know history repeats itself we've always said that everybody says history repeats itself and one of the things that you find and I don't know if it's an, if it's an accident if it's on purpose but what you find in the Star Wars movies is that there is a sort of a repetitive uh, feel to each trilogy the way the original trilogy is and then the, the way um the um the prequel trilogy is but on the from it's like the the original trilogy goes from being clouded in the darkness of the empire to reaching the light of the destruction of the empire and the sith and the return of the jedi that being luke skywalker and then the prequel trilogy is the going from the light of what is the galactic republic into the empire so it's like the same thing, but it's like rever the light to darkness, darkness to light is reversed for the prequel trilogy. And then the sequel trilogy was supposed to be, I think, the same to a degree. I think it was supposed to go from 
this ambiguous, like, where are we now? You know, um, it's, and I think the number one problem with the sequel trilogy is the fact that it took so long. Um, if they, if Lucas had decided to do the movies right, at least right after the prequel trilogy, you would have seen a difference in them because he still would have been in control. The actors, the original actors, Hans, you know, uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill would have been much younger still. Um, a lot of it still would have been fresh, and I think you would have seen um, a difference in the tone of the story because, but because it was like, you know, almost twenty years since the Phantom Menace came out. That and in the timeline, it was almost basically practically thirty years since the end of Return of the Jedi. You're looking at a thirty-year timestamp between when the Empire fell and Luke became a Jedi to the Force Awakens, where are the characters now, where they're much older. It's like, what happened in those 30 years in between? Why did it take so long for the Force to awaken? Why did it take so long <laughs> for everybody to be like, oh, yeah, there's these people out there, you know, that were part of the original rebellion, and what happened to the galaxy in between? There's so much story that could have been explored, like the beginnings of a new republic, the big, you know, where Leia's character would have gone in the creation of that, where Luke's character would have gone in creating a new Jedi Order, where Han's character would have gone in his relationship to Leia, and how he would have been a pivotal role also in the development of this new Republic, and going from being a scoundrel to being, you know, someone of prominence in this new, this new uh, environment that has now been created post Empire, and then of course you had the stuff from the. Um, the expanding universe, like uh, Admiral Thrawn, and and uh, all the stories that came in the expanding universe afterwards, that explored on a lot of those things on the New Jedi Order and Luke and Leia and Han and Chewbacca and everything, and all the in adventures. So there was like a plethora of information already out there that that could have been explored. That Lucas could have actually said, you know, well, I don't really have to do a whole lot of writing. I can just take what these other people have come up with ideas and kind of marry them together to create three more movies that. Everybody would have been like, yeah, just, you know, shut up and take my money. I would have watched <laughs> these movies, you know. And I think that's what he should have done. If he wanted to do the prequels, he could have done the prequels. But I think he should have done movies after Jedi first and then gone back to do the prequels. Um, and he still would have been able to find actors who would have probably fit the bill, even if it was a few years later, to fit the role of Anakin and Obi-Wan and so forth. Um, so that's my take on it, but, <clears throat> but I, I feel like I like uh, the force awakens because even given it's, it's the very strict bubble it needed to be in because of the time frame after return of the Jedi for the characters in that world, but also in it's where, what direction it needed to go in order to make up for that. I think it did a pretty good job. It could have been better, you know. But it was it was not bad. It was not a bad movie. I liked it, and I, I liked the direction it was taking things. The mystery it was building with Snoke and and Kylo Ren and everything's like this is a whole different way of looking at the Star Wars. You know, it's like it's in the Star Wars universe, but in a like okay, well they're not Sith, so that's interesting. They're not Sith. They're just dark side users. So what is that? And you know, how can we explore on that? And how does it come, relate to the Sith and, and the Jedi? But I think that's I think that's one of the 
one of the directions that I think the, the sequel trilogy should have gone into is the idea of trying to ultimately defeat the Sith, the dark side, and learn how to bring the light and the dark together to create this new, this new Jedi order and this, you know, and, and continue with, you know, the politics of the, the, um, the new galactic, um, Senate and, and, and this world that was built in, it was like, I think they just, like I said, I think they were climbing that ladder, but they fell off somewhere and, you know, trying to pick up the pieces and it just didn't quite work as well. Are there elements of all these movies that are good? Of course there are. I mean, you know, um, the, the lightsaber fight with, you know, how Kylo Ren, uh, killed Snoke was, uh, it was epic the way that they, he and, and Ray fought together against his guards was epic. I mean, that's probably one of the best scenes in that movie is uh, the fight, you know, the, the, in the middle there after Snoke's death. That was, you know, probably one of the best, best scenes, best parts of the movie. Um, but again, I, I just, that's where I think they were trying to run that Star Wars in the wrong direction. And it just, it was, and that's what we're, that was the problem with the, to me, that was the biggest problem with the rise of Skywalker is that it was trying to fix something that was unfixable. And it's hard to do that. I mean, it's easy to do it in comic books. You know, it's like if you kill Batman, it's like, Oh, well he's that's turns out Batman's from a different universe. You know, you know, it's, and you killed Earth 12's Batman, not Earth 7. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, you, you kill a Batman, poof, here comes another one. Another one happens to fall out of a warp zone or something like that. But, <laughs> but that's how the comics work. But when it comes to something like Star Wars, it's like it's supposed to follow some level of reality that, like, even though lightsabers don't exist, there's no use of the Force, to some degree, it's like that's, to me, like I've said before, that's, one of the elements of a good movie, even especially if it's something that has that's like complete sci-fi or fantasy or like comic book movies, is that it has a touch of realism. It has that slight touch of realism that makes you believe, you know, there's always the possibility it could happen, you know. And that's that, where good writing comes into play. Very much so. Very much so. And I, I just, and I think they waited... Just on a side note, and I should have mentioned this too, I think they waited too late to bring Lando Calrissian's character back. I always thought that when Leia was sending out a message at the end of The Last Jedi, when they were on the base, uh, the old rebel base, when they were sending out the message to get help, when the Empire, when, well, when the, um, when Kylo Ren was, was trying to uh, destroy them, I always thought a good touch would have been well, first of all, I would have thought that Luke should have actually been there and not just a forced force perspective from across the freaking universe. Hey, that is actually probably my favorite part. <laughs> it's not my favorite part. I think that Luke actually should have been there. He should have grabbed that X-Wing and should have out of the water and should have flown his ass to that place and actually shown up and actually fight Kylo Ren. That would have been epic. A duel between Kylo Ren, the student and the teacher would have been freaking epic and they could have done that so well and then when Leia was sending out the direct distress signal to reach help guess who should have shown up to help them Lando and his minions <laughs> would have been awesome that would have been a great way to bring Lando Calrissian back for him to say hey princess and show up and they're there to help that would have been epic and that even gives me goosebumps now just thinking about it <laughs> that would have been epic to do that that would have been awesome and that's the way they should have done that instead of waiting until the rise of skywalker where he's like oh i'm just here in the desert helping you out that was 
that was it was still great, but I think his character should have been played in better service to be to show up in the middle movie like he did in the original trilogy. He showed up in the Empire Strikes Back, so it would have to me it would have been a nice little would have been a nice little uh, repetition or bookend of that idea for him to show back up in the middle movie of this trilogy too, to be the savior of of the um, of uh, Leia's group. That would have been to me that would have been it would have been like a huge surprise. They wouldn't have announced it. They wouldn't have said anything about it. But like all of a sudden, Lando Calrissian shows up at the last minute to help them out and help get them out of there. You know, and and there's that would have been also been the beginning of like. You know, in other words, it would have been like all that hope was lost up until they showed up and he would have shown up with people who were willing to help fight and actually rebuild the um, the rebel forces to uh, fight against uh, Kylo Ren and the New Order. That would have been epic. That would have like booking in that movie so much better. And that probably would have actually made up for a lot of the problems in that movie. Right then and there, I think that and Luke actually showing up to actually fight Kylo Ren would have been would have made that movie so much better. Cause I, I thought too the other thing too is when um when Ray and and Luke were having that argument in the rain where Ray could have actually almost defeated Luke Skywalker before she finally decided to leave to go help them. Um, it was very reminiscent of the Empire Strikes Back with how Luke was trying to trying to reconcile the idea of whether he should help his friends or stay and complete his training. And Ray was having the same problems with she wanted to she wanted her training and she wanted to complete it, but at the same time she felt like she had to go help them. She had to go help Leia and the rest. And Luke was tell, basically telling her, "You can't help them." You know, he was like all but defeated. But I feel like while they were when they were having that fight, I felt like. Kylo should have dispatched the Knights of Ren to actually try to attack them on Atku. And the fact that they had to fight them off, that would have convinced Luke to actually jump into the fight because he would have realized that they would have actually been targeted. And I think, I think Luke and Rey fighting together to fight against the Knights of Ren on Atku at, at the end of the middle, the middle of that movie would have changed Luke's mind and that's would have that's what Ray would have already taken off afterwards, you know, and then Luke would have eventually followed her to 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 go back into where I was talking about where Luke would have actually shown up and actually fought Kylo Ren himself instead of it being the, just this force projection. I thought that was pretty weak. And the and the fact that it killed him at the end was stupid. It's fucking stupid. He should have he should have defeated Kylo Ren only enough for to give him a taste of his own medicine, say you know, just to let him know, to kind of put him in his place and kind of, you know, put him in that same position as Darth Vader was at the end of Empire Strikes Back where it would kind of start to put some doubt in his mind about the direction his, his you know, his destiny was going. Just enough that, and then Luke could have escaped with the rest of them and between him and Leia, they could have gone into the next movie, both of them together training Rey, which, of course, you know, we know that Carrie Fisher passed away before The Rise of Skywalker was went into production, but you know I think they did a great job with bringing back some older scenes that she had already done to to keep her character more or less alive until they needed for her character to pass away in the movie. But I think Luke should have survived throughout the the whole the rest of it. Even if his character had passed away, even if somehow his character had sacrificed itself himself, whether it was in the Last Jedi or sacrificed himself, mainly on uh, the rise of Skywalker, I think that's where Luke probably would have 
would have worked better for his life to be somehow sacrificed. But at the same time, it didn't have to be. Luke could have survived to help Ray and Finn create a new Jedi Order, and I think that would have been a better way of ending that that saga, that part of the saga, that way instead of the way they did it. That's the way I would have written it anyway. <laughs> but I'm not a writer, so. The only reason why they killed him off was because they wanted more of the focus to be on Ray and her story than versus Luke, because Luke's already had his own trilogy. But see, that's just it. The focus was already on Ray. It's it's the same as it's the same as uh, with the Karate Kid. It's like Mr. Miyagi was this great character in that in that movie in that series, but the focus was never on Mr. Miyagi. It was always on Daniel. You know, it's the same thing with Ray. I mean, even though Luke Skywalker was still alive, the fact that his character would have been brought back for this trilogy now he's not the student; he's the master. The student is the focus. Who Ray is, what she is, what direction she goes, as and and I, you know, and being that she was the direct antithesis of Kylo Ren for that generation, the fact that you know she still would have been the focus. Luke being there would never have taken away the focus of Ray. Ray was always the focus, and I think Ray and Finn both could have been the focus. And could have been trained by Luke. And I think Luke, that's where Luke would come in, is Luke would be passing on what he's learned from his time when he was at his peak to Ray and Finn. You know, and either he would have passed on at that point. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.